Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the text really quick. Uh, we just sang it, but I want to kind of make sure you see uh, the beginning and end of this text. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's where what we're in till the end here. Um, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And hear this, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. So my name, Justin, my parents named me after uh, Justin Boots, Um, became this story that my mom saw the name Justin Boots, she liked it, she liked Justin, placed the name on me. And Growing up, like, I always, like, wanted, like a, like, a nickname. Like, I always thought, like, you know, like, Pug or I don't know. Something was, like, I wanted some kind of, like, other, like, other name besides my own. Not that I didn't like my name, but, you know, mostly all the nicknames I've had in my life are just shortened versions of Justin. It's, like, Jay or um, Jay Stud. That's kind of one that it's stuck with me for, for whatever reason. Um, but there was one period of time where my my dad had like this young friend his name was Mark Dvorak and I really like really looked up to Mark he was like younger than my dad and he seemed like super cool he paid me a lot of mind and uh he called me JR and I just thought I just thought that was the coolest thing um that I was my dad's spitting image and my name was Jr. and uh, Junior, um, but not Junior because Jr. was better. And so and I loved it so much, y'all, that I, I, I got permanent markers, and I started marking up everything I owned with Jr. Like not just balls and toys and bikes. Like I was putting it on my wall, on every trophy. And my mom was, like, so livid about the whole thing. But there was something about, like, that name being placed on me by somebody that I, like, looked up to and respected. And um, I somehow, like, I I wanted to embody it. I wanted to be my dad's mini-me, junior. That's what I wanted. I want you to hold that as we kind of lead into this a little bit. Um... Because the, this, the book of Numbers and this blessing has some stuff that kind of lead us in, um, right? Numbers is recounting the journey of Israel from Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was this place where Israel is married to God. They're like given their constitution in the law, their way, their way of being in the world. And I want you to think about this is that like God was marking them. He was at Sinai, naming him his people. You are my bride. Today I am marrying you. You will be my people. And, um, and I will, uh, the Lord said to them, I will walk among you. I will be your God. You will be my people. Throughout the, the journey in the wilderness, God has dwelt with Israel. And remember, like Numbers is in this very like cataclysmic period. Like hopefully church, you kind of sense this. Like transitions, like 
the transition from the first generation to the second generation, right? The, the first generation didn't believe God and his promises. They cowered at the thought of going into the land. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They, wanna, they wanted to take on their old name, right? How many times have we, do we, like, want to throw off the new name that God's given us and take on the old one? That's what Israel was, was doing, and God said, that generation won't enter the land. Not even Moses. And the second generation would. And that's the, the cataclysmic time of numbers. But God shown his face on them, marked them by his name. So he will take them into his land. And so numbers 1 and 2 lay out the duties of God's priest, how how God's people are to respond to the work of God's priest, how they're, they're to be set apart, consecrated, because if God has named them, placed his name on them, if he's married them, then they are set apart from all the other nations of the world. They've been, they've been given to God, and here's what God does. He, he buttresses his people on both sides. God sets his face, his love upon them, calls them out of that love to follow them, to be set apart to be the people that are made for him and to respond accordingly. Like, like, what do you do when someone loves you? How does the love that someone places on you like change your very constitution? Like, I used to be this, and now because that person has loved me, I am I'm this. And, and how would you, if that love has been set upon you, how would you then kind of be set apart by that love? Right? That's what's happening here. God has set his love on them, and that love is remaking them into a new people, and it's changing their whole orientation to the world. And the bottom bun of this sandwich of love is, is blessing. It's like God is at the top and at the bottom. God has loved them, set his name on them, and the bottom bun is blessing. And that's what I want you to think about today as we look at this. Like, and then he calls the priest, Aaron, to bless. And in the blessing, God acts. The intent of the blessing is that, that we read in verse 27 is that God is going to place through blessing Israel, through Aaron reciting these words over them, that he is going to act for them that he's going to place his name upon them. Now, like I do weddings, right? It's one of the special things that I get to do is I get to stand up before a congregation. I have this very unique view. Like I'm looking out at y'all. I'm looking at the bride and the groom. They stand here before me. And then I get to pronounce. Like I get to stand in the, like the heavenlies and make a pronouncement that changes their constitution. When I say, you are now husband and wife, something new is birthed. And it's overwhelming, to be honest. It's a speech act, right? Um, recently, I was in Sweden, and I went there to do a wedding. And I, I, uh, the couple that I was doing it for, I, I kind of knew the groom, had never met the, the bride other than we did one FaceTime call. And um, in, a, in Swedish weddings traditional Swedish weddings, um, the, the wife 
or the husband takes on the wife's name, right? And so there's this moment where, like, I pronounce, right, the bride and the groom. And, and the night before, I was meeting with Garrett and Rebecca, and they were like, we were talking about how the, this whole thing was going to go. And somehow, lost in all the translation was that that, that was going to happen, right? Like, that, that Garrett was taking her name and not the other way around, and so they, they definitely probably told me this, but not in such a way like where it should be like, this is kind of not ordinary. It should be like bright blinking lights for you. That didn't happen. And so I get up to pronounce them to make this speech act, changing constitution. And I say, I want to introduce to you for the very first time. And I always include the wife's name. I don't, always say, I don't say Mr. and Mrs. I always say first name, first name, last name, right? Garrett and Rebecca. Simmons, not Anderson. And she turns to me as she's walking down the aisle, and she says something to me, and I don't even compute it, right? You said the wrong name! I just declared in the heavenlies the wrong name, right? Like, Aaron is blessing the people of Israel, the words of God, through the man of God, to create and recreate and undo a people. Now think about a blessing that you've received that remade you. Like, have you ever been blessed by somebody? Maybe it's a material thing they gave you. Maybe it's a word they said over you. Where that thing, that blessing, literally, like, remade your world, reconstituted you. That's what's happening in this blessing from Numbers 6. There's three causes, three effects. Bless you is the, the cause. The effect is keep you. Shine his face upon you, the cause. Be gracious to you is the effect. Lift up the light of his countenance upon you, the cause. Give you peace the effect. Bless, keep, shine, grace, constitution, or countenance, peace. Now, all of these words, all these phrases are in the justive mood in Hebrew, and the justive mood kind of bumps up against the imperative, where like an imperative, you tell someone what to do. The justive is more like expressing a hope, a wish, a, a like strong, intense passion or desire. We, we usually translate the just, justive in English in with the words like may or let, may it be so, let it be. When I say it, when you say to someone, I hope you have a nice day, it isn't an imperative. We, we can't make someone have a nice day, but, but we're wishing that they're going to have a nice day. And it's important to recognize that through Aaron's words, that the act, actor isn't Aaron. Aaron is speaking God's words. And God is the actor in the blessing. God is the speaking God. How are, how, we talked about this last week. How do you experience God's face? Through his words, his speech. Isaiah 55, so will my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, but will accomplish what I purpose it for. It will succeed, God says, in the thing which I sent. So God's speech defines reality. As he speaks through Aaron, God is assuring Israel of his blessing. This is why we speak the words of God to each other, why we pray them over one another. 
The first point here, God's blessing will keep you. He who keeps you will neither sleep nor slumber. He will keep your life. You see, God's blessing is God's keeping of you. Now, the idea here is the, a king's guard, that, that God's blessing means, for God's people, protection. It, it, it's a shield about you. We, we read in our call to worship today, right? It's a beautiful call to worship. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Look, hear those words. Shelter, shadow, my refuge and my fortress, I will say to the Lord, my, my God in whom I is, is my trust. Like, like if, you are, uh, if you're a trust fund baby, right? There's something about that trust that secures you. The Lord is your trust. The Lord makes you a trust fund baby. He will deliver you from the, the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He, he will cover you with his pinions. It's a, it's a motherly care. Under his wings you will find refuge. His, his faithfulness is a shield and a, and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies in the, by the day, the, the pestilence that stalks the darkness, the, the destruction, like the noonday devil. You ever heard that phrase? Like that thing that comes upon you in the middle of the day that causes you to like feel faint, weak, not wanting to pursue goodness or God. Like we waste away and yet God promises to, to keep you. Even though you feel like your energy is, is leaving you, right? Like, we're about to enter this transition and new chapter. What are the fears? What are you, like, really, I want you to, I want you to name them. Not aloud, but like, as you think about what's happening, what are your fears? Like, some of you are so, like, like this, this is your your home, your community, your, your life is built here, and you start to think about what transition and our leaving might mean for that. Can you name your fears? And then can you believe that because God blesses his people, you, that he's going to keep you, City Press, he's going to keep you in this next chapter. He is going to be the mother hen with his pinions resting over you because his blessing means keeping. He will protect you. He will, he will do this because you're, you're his treasured possession. Right? That's, that's what it means, like, my precious. Like, the Lord keeps you because you're his treasured possession. He... When we were walking through the, I mean, I've told this story before, but man, the first time I walked through the freaking airport with Jed in a car seat and a stroller, and anybody touched that thing, I was about to go freaking ballistic. Like, because he was my treasured possession. He is my treasured possession. Right? Like, 
That's how the Lord feels about you. And he will preserve you and protect you. Like, he's not just going to protect you, but he's going to, that word preserve, that's part of the keeping. He's going to, the, he, uh, you know, preservation keeps you. It, it, it allows you to, like, exist th- through time and space as time changes. You, you won't be changed by it. Like some of you are going through things right now that are pressing in upon you and the thought is it's going to reconstitute you. And what I want you to hear this morning is no, God's blessing over you keeps you. That's the thing that reconstitutes you. None of that other stuff can do it. You're preserved. It can't touch you. Those words, man can't touch you. Now they hurt, but there's a truer word that's spoken over you, right? That's the second piece, shining face and grace. We talked a lot about this last week, so we'll move through this, but the Lord will be gracious to you. How? By, By making his face shine upon you, right? There's something about like a shining face, a face that has delight. When someone turns a, a face that's lit up for you, not because of like what you must do to earn it, because, but, but just because of you, like you're, you respond. There, there's people that you're attracted to in this life, right? And I'm not talking about necessarily like like uh, anything like more than just like, I-, I like them. They're cool. Like you meet people and you, you're attracted to them and there's, there's something about their, their face and the way it like turns towards you and you experience delight from them and you're like, man, I feel really connected to that person, right? The shining of God's face upon you brings grace to you, favor, merit. You you don't have to, like, the taskmaster, the stern face that turns towards us, where you have to go, like, earn it. Never forget, like, the, the scene from Saving Private Ryan, where he's, like, sitting at the, uh, when Tom Hanks, you know, right before he dies, I'm, spoiler alert, like, looks at Matt Damon and says, you better earn this, Right? Like, that's the message of our world, is that every sacrificial gift is something that you must then repay and re-earn. And so he, at the end of his life, he's, he's sitting at Normandy and at all the gravestones. And he's asking his wife, have I lived a good life? Living in the wake of the, the pressure of that word, earn it. Like the blessing of Aaron on God's people was no, the blessing is, is the given to you in the shining of God's face. And the effect is grace. You, you have it. You have all of God's shining, God's shining, uh, shining face towards you. What does the shining face of God's love do to you? Like, how should that metaphor 
if true, like shape your reality? How does it shape the mission of life at City Press? Like as we, we move forward, and July, uh, January 14th is here, and I'm gone. How does the, the shining face of God's blessing shape the next chapter for this church? You, you have the face of God. It shines on you. Like, like when you show off all the pictures on Facebook or the gram or Be Real or wherever, like, like when you have that shining face, you, you share the shining face. And by sharing the shining face, you're, you're sharing the blessing of God for all peoples. There, there's nothing better that you can give another than the blessing of God's grace. His face shines, even if it's, when it's hidden. Behind the hiding face of God is a smile. Even in your tears, there have been tears this week at City Press. And God, like a good father, takes your tears He takes account of them. He keeps them. He wipes your cheeks. He he reminds you that you're loved. Like there's something so beautiful, like for us as parents, when our when our children go through trials and pain, and and we get this opportunity to turn our face towards them and their suffering and their need, reminding them. The, the grace extends all the way down. Reminding them, I'm not ashamed of you. That they can do nothing to cause your face to be turned away from them. Like that's just a little touch of what God does for us. He, his shining face is holding your faces and, and beaming grace upon you. And that leads to the third element, very closely connected, right? The, the lifting of the light of God's countenance upon you, that it would give you peace. Here the blessing extends to this idea of God's countenance, his, his turning, his giving of himself, it's his presence. What, what I want you to think about in countenance is it's God's presence to you. Like God giving himself. And what does it lead to? What we've been talking about in the liturgy this morning. Shalom. Wholeness. Like God's shalom is, it's internal, it's external, it's interpersonal. Think about it. It's peace in you, it's peace with others, it's peace in his world. And it's, it's obvious by the very nature of God's lifting of the beaming light of his counts upon you that you also have peace with God. The, the blessing is God's presence providing you with peace, both like situational, objective peace, like you exist in God's world, you are at peace with God, you are at peace with your brother, you are at peace internally within yourself. Now, of course, we experience that all differently. But God's blessing is assuring you that that by his presence, he's going to lead you into shalom, restored fellowship wholeness. God's going to lift us from our dust like a, like a child being lifted up from the ground. God gets down on our level to lift us up. 
That's how we, how do we get this peace? Through, through God and his righteousness, that God makes things right. He, the lifting of the light of his countenance is the act of God rectifying us, taking all our sin, all the ways we undo peace. He does this by his son, Jesus. Jesus becomes the peace offering. The ironic blessing leads to Israel's priestly mission in the world, that the priests are to bring peace between God and man, between man and man. Shalom exists because God is present to us, with us, in us. For the people of Numbers, like God's presence was smoke and fire, bread, water, milk, honey. God God's presence guiding them to the promised land. It was tabernacle, smoke descending. God was present. Because God was present, you could be assured, as the priests made the sin offering, there would be peace between God and man. And the cumulative effect of all of this, verse 27, bless, keep, Shining face, grace, lift up peace, the cumulative effect. So shall they put, the priest, put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Aaron and his descendants would put the name of Yahweh upon the people to bless them. What does it mean for you to bear the name of God in the world? What does that look like for you? I want to give you a little illustration. It comes from Toy Story. If you haven't seen the movie, it's 17 years old. Right? It's the, the story about the secret lives of Andy's toys. Whenever Andy leaves, a whole unknown toy world comes to life. A world of staff meetings and checker games and friends. Plastic corrosion awareness meetings. Right, All these are happening. Andy's favorite toy is Woody, an old string cowboy. Woody enjoys a charmed life of love. He's, he's prestigious with the rest of the toys. And then one day, he loses all of this as Andy is given a new Buzz Lightyear toy, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger. Woody is a character that has, has lost his place in life. Buzz has supplanted him as Andy's favorite toy and Woody is discarded to the toy chest. But Buzz is oblivious, right? The benefits of being Andy's favorite toy, he thinks that he is the, a real space ranger who needs to return to the mothership. As demonstrated so clearly by Woody and Buzz, the, the toys derive their value, hear this, externally through the love and attention of Andy. The most important thing in Woody's world is the place he holds in Andy's heart as Andy's favorite toy. But it's like Buzz Lightyear's delusions, Woody and Buzz are just toys. Woody isn't really a cowboy. Buzz isn't really a straight space ranger. Woody can't round up cattle. Buzz can't fly. And when Buzz is confronted with this shocking reality that he's a toy, he, he goes off into despair. He says, I'm not a space ranger, I'm just a toy, a, a stupid little insignificant toy. Yet Woody the preacher urges him, saying, 
being a toy is a lot better than being a space ranger. Look over at that house. There's a kid who thinks you're the greatest. You're his toy. Buzz looks down at the sole of his boot and sees Andy written on his foot in permanent marker. Immediately, Buzz springs to action. He's saved from his despair through the assurance that he belongs to, is loved by Andy. You see, friends, your value is found in being loved by God. This is what Luther says. Rather than seeking its own good, the love of God flows forth and bestows good. Therefore, sinners are attractive because they're loved. And they are not loved because they are attractive. This is the love of the cross, born of the cross, which turns in the direction where it does not find good, which it may enjoy, but where it may confer good upon the bad and the needy and the wandering and the lost. His name emblazoned on your heart, you belong to him. His name is your name. So I asked you at the beginning of baptism, like, what are the other names that you bear? I've been thinking about that a lot this week. Like the names that are put upon us. What's the effect of Andy being written on your shoe? God's name being affixed permanently. Do you bear God's name? Has it been placed upon you? If so, how will that change all the other names? This is the promise of the blessing of numbers. It's the promise given to you as God's people. And it's the promise I want to continue to leave you with. You are God's. You belong to him. His name is emblazoned upon you. There's a scene in Revelation, right, where God gives the white stone with the secret name. At the end of all days, new heavens and new earth, he writes your name, the name that only he knows that he's given to you, like, like lovers give names to their, those that, they, that are beloved. God is doing that for you. He's written your name on a white stone, and on that day, he's going to give you that stone with your special name written on it. This is who you are. All those other things that have been written on your rocks, cast aside. The white stone, the innocence, the purity, the consecration. You've been set aside. You belong to God. You are his. Let's pray. God, help us uh, your blessing is a spring from which we can drink. Yeah, it means uh, that you're going to keep us, protect us. You're going to be gracious to us, and you're going to give us your peace. 
and that you're going to put your name on us. Help us, God, as we try to wrangle out of that sometimes and wear different names, base all of our uh, life on law, not grace, cause uh, chaos instead of peace, anxious and afraid that you will never be able to keep us. Like we all have these days and moments and hours, minutes in our weeks. And yet you are blessing us. Your, your word is recreating us. You are standing over us and saying, I bless you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to make my face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I'm going to lift up my countenance upon you and I'm going to give you my peace both now and forever. And your name is blessed. So help us, God, to, to believe that, to walk in it, to let that be our constitution. The name that we affix on everything that we own in permanent marker. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.